We give white people so much credit for these types of things. Plant-based eating is just how humans have eaten ever. Plant-based eating is not new. We just put a word to it. We always like to, to be like, oh, well, white men do this and white men do that. But it's like, okay, but we've also have done that too. They've just sensationalized it. So how about we focus on what our ancestors have done and what feels natural for us and not focus too much on the people that we see on Instagram or TikTok that might be a little too loud for your taste. It is my pleasure to welcome you back to another episode of the Plant-Based News Podcast. Joining me this time, we have Baltimore-based vegan advocate, content creator, and spiritual wellness coach, Jamila Anahara, best known for her platform, The Soulful Veganista. A few months after she went vegan, Jamila started a blog and began making YouTube videos to inspire other black people to consider becoming vegan. That is how The Soulful Veganista was born in 2013. Since then, she's been growing her platform consistently, especially on social media. She often writes about social justice, conscious living, spirituality, as well as how all those intersect with her identity. She is passionate about empowering people with her work, particularly those experiencing marginalization. She often covers topics such as self-improvement, spirituality, and living authentically. In this episode, we delve deep into veganism, activism, and the intersectionality of other social justice movements. My name is Robbie Lockie and this is a plant-based news podcast. As always, if you do enjoy this episode, please don't forget to comment, like, and share. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It really helps get the message out there. Let's get to the episode. Thank you so much for joining us on the PBN podcast, Jamila. Uh, great to finally sit down with you, my friend, and hear your story. Hello, Robbie. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me today. How's it going, everyone? This is Jamila Anahata from thesoulfulveganista.com, and I'm here to talk to you about shadow work. So first of all, I talk about shadow work all the time because it's something we avoid like the plague. We have so many things to take care of in our lives, but the one thing we do not look at is our own pain. Why is that? And that is because we like to focus on the positive parts in ourselves because we're told in society that those are the only things we should focus on. And even though that is a good thing, we don't like to deal with our past pain, traumas, deep-seated issues, or childhood trauma. So this makes us look outside of ourselves for answers when we have all the answers in here. So before we get started and learn about all the amazing things that you've done with your life in the last few years, let's go back in time and let's talk about what brought us together, which is veganism, the plant-based lifestyle. Where did this lifestyle begin for you? How did you find out about how to eat and live in this way? Wow. So my story goes all the way back 10 years ago. I've been vegan in actually 10 years coming in May and the best thing I've ever done. So I was going through a health kick. As you know, a lot of us go through health kicks in our early 20s. You know, I'm not the only one. I felt really run down. My health was breaking down and you should not feel that way when you're 19 or 20. Me and my partner at the time, we decided to fix up our eating habits, go to the gym in his apartment and just do what we had to do to make sure that we felt healthy because I didn't want to just aesthetically be healthy like what I did in high school. Like we all wanted a certain aesthetic. But this time I wanted to feel healthy. So I did all my research. I Googled like what healthy diets should look like. And of course I went through all of them. But one that I did not try was vegetarianism or veganism. I saw that with my research, everything I Googled, it recommended that I stopped eating animal products straight up. So I tried it out. I had a vegetarian sister, actually two vegetarian sisters. I had vegetarian friends. I used to laugh at them. I used to think it was whack. I didn't even pay attention to like the benefits that they even had. So with that research, I was like, you know, I should try this out. Google is screaming at me right now. Why not? So I decided to replace all the animal products I had in my parents' fridge. Of course, they were going to eat it all. I decided to, with a very little salary I had as a college student, I decided to replace all that food with plant foods, vegan foods, just exploring everything, uh, looking up different blogs and YouTube videos for recipes. I, I just really decided, I decided to be serious about this because I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, even at an early age. Pretty much almost overnight, I cleared out the fridge uh, to the best of my ability and only focused on what I should eat rather than the other things that my parents were eating or my sister. What really stuck with me at that moment, of course, I did basically go vegan overnight, but what really stuck with me is that something recommended that I watched Earthlings. Three primary life forces exist on this planet. Nature, 
animals. humankind. We are the Earthlings. I was never really big into animal rights at the time. Once again, I was a huge meat eater when I was in high school, early college, and used to think that veganism was funny. I watched Earthlings. I was like, why not? Who cares? And even though I wasn't totally emotionally affected at the time, it stuck with me and resonated with me. I did not want to support that. Regardless if it, if it didn't pull on my heartstrings, I knew mentally and even spiritually that was just not for me. It wasn't me anymore. I, I just could not support these industries. I didn't want to, no matter how little my dollar was, I couldn't sit down at the table knowing that I was eating somebody's body, their secretions, they had feelings, they have bonds, they have they have survival just like us. And I just could not support that anymore. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, yes, I am vegan by diet, but that's when it was a complete lifestyle shift for me. Um, and the rest was history. Amazing, it was very similar to me. I also watched Earthlings and that was a huge catalyst. Make the connection. Earthlings. What a beautiful uh, film, a shocking film uh, as well. For me, watching that film, the script, uh, the powerful script that unlocked that realization within me of how brutal human humanity is and the way we treat our, our non-human animal brothers and sisters of the planet. It was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a shocking realization for me. But I'm interested to learn a bit about your family's food history, the food, uh, the food culture of your childhood, how did meat and animal products feature and, and what kind of foods did you grow up around? Oh, wow. I am in the U.S., everyone. And in the U.S., you already know how we eat. I don't have to explain. And I ate just like that. Fortunately, my, my dad would cook sometimes. My mom was so burnt out and tired from work, she did not feel like cooking. So my dad took it upon himself to uh, just really step up and he did the best that he could too, because he was very burnt out as most people in the US are. It was very meat heavy. It was always turkey or chicken or things like that whenever he made some stuff. But also I lived in an area, a very blue collar area where there was tons of fast food available around me. I was always near a KSC. I was always near a Popeye. What's a blue, co blue collar for those who don't know? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So blue collar, I would say it's it's hard to say it's people who live in an area where they're very, the working class people work with their hands, very labor intensive. My parents were very, um, yeah, like lower to middle, cla um, middle class. And so we didn't have a lot of money. So, and we, we wanted to be convenient. So we would have a lot of fast food, Taco Bell, anything that was near and convenient and palatable. My food culture was very, very typical where I overate. I even had my own issues with binge eating. I had to realize that through that culture, through eating what I ate, it, it's so hyper palatable and it doesn't make you feel full for long that you want more and more and more. You don't even realize you probably ate 17,000 calories of food in one sitting. You feel terrible. You feel sluggish. You can't think properly. You can't feel properly. And that was something that I really had to deal with my whole childhood and my early adulthood because my overeating was out of control. And not only that, I was overeating on horrible foods for me. And on top of that, it was with animal products, which I do not sit right with. It was very, very typical. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to me on that. And, and obviously, as we know, um, those who listen, who've learned about a plant-based diet, what kind of effect did eating a very animal heavy diet have on yourself, on your body, on your family? Like what kind of, were there any illnesses or diseases that have, you know, reared their ugly heads in your family? Because as they say, diseases that stay in families are a result of diets that stay in families, right? We often um, hear people say, well, I'm going to get type 2 diabetes because my mom got it, because my dad got it. Not really thinking about that it's possibly the food. <laughs> But did your family experience uh, chronic illness? Absolutely, Robbie. And it breaks my heart to say, because of course, I'm not going to speak for every Black person in the U.S., but my family was very typical in that sense where um, my mother's side of the family were in the are in the South. They ate Southern type foods, soul foods, all those types of things. And even though I truly believe that soul food is healthy living plant foods, 
There is another side of the coin where that is very uh, meat heavy, oil heavy, salt heavy, sugar heavy, all the things that are so hyper palatable that basically course within our veins, make our, make our blood very thick, make us feel lethargic, make us feel not alive. And so unfortunately, I've had that running rampant within my family, especially my mother's side of the family, where my grandmother who passed over 10 years ago, I believe wholeheartedly was her eating habits that took her away from us very, very early. She had health complications. Uh, She wanted to get gastric bypass surgery. And even though that wasn't the thing that killed her, it was the fact that after her surgery, she went back to her old habits. She overate on meat-heavy food, oil-heavy food, just typical soul food. And even my own mother, I'm going to tread lightly because I have family members that might hear this, but my own mother is at this moment dealing with horrible health complications due to her own overeating on horrible, horrible foods, especially fast food. Mm-hmm. A lot of that, I will say, it is the food, but it's also the emotional aspect. It's the fact that we have such a black hole in our hearts that's almost insatiable. It takes up anything that creates pleasure from the outside of us. And we try to fill that hole, especially with food, because food isn't going to yell at us. Food isn't going to hurt our feelings. Food, for some reason, in my side of the family, in those sides of my family, was the coping mechanism to go through life, a very stressful life, especially as Black women. It is horrible how food has really not only caused these health issues, but it just breaks my heart also to know that the emotional aspect in my family, the generational aspect of how we chose to deal with our emotions is also a huge factor. Yeah, it's such a powerful testament to the harsh reality that is the standard American diet, as well as as you mentioned as well, the soul food that comes through historical channels of of slavery in 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 America, where and I'm sure you know you could you could give me a bit more detail on this, but a lot of the the people who were sort of entrapped within the slave trade and and the, and their descendants began uh, were were given food by slave owners and the, the kind of the worst scraps of animal the animals or the sort of the feet and the legs and all these types of things and these foods are the this way of eating has persisted throughout history and 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 remains sort of deeply entwined within black food culture in America that is the the deep tragedy is that you know this food culture which is seen as an identity a cultural identity is also something that is causing deep harm to the the black and african american communities across the United States. There is a fantastic film, which is, I don't know if it's available anymore, but it is out there and I'm hoping it will be re-released. It's called They're Trying to Kill Us. And it's, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's created by African-American vegan advocate, John Lewis, a very powerful film, which I feel is essential viewing for for anyone really, especially black African-Americans who have, have chronic illness in their lives and are frustrated and angry really about the injustice of this kind of situation because a lot of people feel and I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth but I know and I've spoken to a lot of people feel very frustrated and perhaps even abandoned by the system and what's so incredible about a plant-based diet a whole food plant-based diet if and when of course people can get access to fresh fruits and vegetables at affordable prices people have the tools to free themselves of chronic illness. Not always, of course, plant-based diet isn't a panacea for all ills, but those who, who are able to get off the junk foods and move away from the addictive sugars, salts, oils, and these very high uh, calorie foods are able to free themselves from what feels like of the vortex of a black hole of an insidious food system, right, that is really only focused on profit. These companies that sell these foods the KFCs, the the Dunkin' Donuts, etc. They do not care about the well-being of their customers. All they want is that people eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And they know, and we've talked about this many times on this podcast, they know how their food affects the bodies of the people that they uh, sell it to. And they know the damage it's causing. There's a, another great documentary, which we often reference, uh, What the Health. And if you haven't seen What the Health, please do. It talks about the relationship between the drug companies and the food companies and how they are deeply entwined and how the drug companies know that the food people are, are eating is causing them chronic illness. And of course, if you live in the United States, you know that many people are reliant on drugs to survive and to live because of the chronic illness that they are trapped within thousands of dollars a month, perhaps for some people on uh, on these drugs. So 
I've gone off on a tangent there. I'll bring it back. Tell me a bit about like how does it feel to be in this society, the American society, which is is, is feels so dominated by this sort of this sort of monstrous capitalist food system that really just does not care about the well-being of of the people. I mean, how do you feel about about it, and 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 do you see hope in in it ever changing? Mm, mm. So I will say that although I am grateful for the opportunities, I I can. I can take advantage of here in the U.S., it does feel very frustrating, tiring, and I would also say disempowering, discouraging in a lot of ways. Living here and knowing that everything's for profit, your your misery is for profit, your low self-esteem is for profit, your pain, your, your suffering is for profit. So it, in a lot of ways, I just feel like a test dummy. And a lot, and in so many ways, I feel like we are all poked and prodded, and we're made to to see salvation or seek salvation outside of us because it, everything's so distracting. They try to distract us with the food, with the the media, the the TV shows, everything here. Everything here just feels like a game show in a lot of ways, which I'm sure everyone from the outside can tell. Um, so living within it, once again, I have a lot of opportunity. However, on the other side of the coin, with that opportunity, things just feel so impersonal. You're being sold to all the time. I want people to understand that with the work that I do, because not everyone's able to see it. And I'm so grateful that I've come to a place, especially being awakened by that through veganism, that this is all not only a test, but this isn't real. What I mean by that is that everything we do need is within us. We know the answers. We know this doesn't feel good. We know that this is not for us. This doesn't, we're not in the right direction. And I just want people to be guided by that intuition, that intuitive knowing of this food does not make me feel good. What can I do about it? This TV show, I don't feel like I'm learning anything about it. What can I learn about myself so I could do what I need to do to be happy? I'm not too sure if I'm answering your question per se, but I would say that it does not feel good. However, I like to transmute that uh, through the processes I do in my own life. I like to transmute that despair, transmute that discouragement, dismute that deep pain that it does feel here, especially as a Black woman. And as you said before, what my people have gone through, my ancestral, my ancestors have gone through. And even though my ancestral lineage is way before Chateau slavery and, you know, with enslaved people, you can still feel it because we're still here. And that history translates in everything we do. The energy is still here. We're still all feeling the effects of it, Black people and non-Black people. Once again, I like to transmute all that energy, all the lies, all the selling, all the the ancestral pain, the, the pain of the collective consciousness here in the U.S. And I like to use that as empowerment to help people see that once again, you know the right answer. You know you're being sold to. You know it doesn't feel great. What can you do internally to make sure that you're living a life of ease, joy, and pleasure outside of what we've been taught to, to seek outside of ourselves? You don't need the car. You don't need the mansion. You don't need this uh, four for five, you know, chicken bucket meal in order to feel pleasure and feel good. What can we do good? I've used that once again to figure out what actually truly makes me feel good deep in my core, deep in my spirit. And that has definitely changed the way I view staying here. Uh, because once again, I now seize those opportunities I can have here to help people journey back to themselves so they can find the right answer for them. That was beautifully said, Jamila. Thank you. It's such an interesting perspective because living in a city or living in a sort of Western capitalist monstrosity, because that's what our capitalist culture has become, a materialistic, money-hungry, fame-hungry culture that has really placed all the important things in life at the bottom, you know, community, friendship, compassion, good health, you know, these things that really nourish us as human beings, that should be a vital part of every day of our lives are lost to, you know, the odd Sunday or the odd evening where you get an opportunity to spend some time with people because you're so exhausted, you're so run down, you're so burnt out from this treadmill this rat race that the the machine is putting you through it can't go on forever i i keep saying i do think and maybe the mormons or the quakers 
one of the one of the kind of various sects of Christianity say we're living in the end times, and sometimes you know I do believe that I do sometimes believe that we're living in the end times, but the end doesn't mean the end, you know. And I think you'll relate to this that the universe that it, that we are within is infinite, but it is also finite because all things come to an end. All things are temporary. The whole of the cosmos is in a constant state of birth and death, becoming and non-becoming, right? And that actually our culture, even though we are really what feels like the you know the end chapter of modern humans because of the way we've lived because of the way we've 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 built this sort of capitalist system which is so parasitic um it consumes and it eats and it eats and it eats and it does not live in symbiotic symbiotic relationship with the beautiful beautiful nature that we are you know imagine your city filled with trees and you know living walls on every building and solar panels on every roof and birds and animals living in harmony with humanity and every drop of water is recycled and reused and every single piece of waste whether it's human waste or physical waste is recycled and regenerated you know we have all these tools we have all these amazing technologies but because of greed and because of this this rampant behavior that you talked about you know we've lost sight of that um, we've lost sight of all of that but one thing that keeps me together is spirituality and one thing that keeps me moving forward despite the the, the multitude of uh, negativity and, and horror that goes on around us what does spirituality mean to you like how do you sit within spirituality and how does it sort of how do you embody it in your life so i'll first start off by saying that my spiritual journey began with veganism which is why being vegan means so so much to me because i was able to see the connection between all life and I feel like that's what comes down to me when it comes to spirituality is that I see the oneness behind everything. I just like what you were saying so beautifully is that the universe is infinite. It is vast. It is ever expanding. It, it is limitless. And even though everything's impermanent, um, especially in the physical realm, it doesn't exist to serve us, but it exists for us to have what we want, to get what we desire. I really feel that what spirituality means for me is not only being connected to every being on the way, being connected to my chair, being connected to the ring light in front of me, just seeing the oneness and connection of all things, but also having universal love. Because I see the oneness behind everything, I love every expression of divine. Even if I might not like that person, you are an expression of divine. You are the universe expressing itself in the physical realm. And I might not agree with what you do. I might not like with what you do. I might not like you. We might not resonate. Not you, Robbie. I love you. But you know, <laughs> um, with somebody else, mm -hmm. I love you because you are me. I love you yeah. because you are one with the infinite source of all. I love you because what you do has nothing to do with me. You are just merely expressing what is. And that is the absolutely like most beautiful thing about the universe, spirituality, connection with all, is that everything just is. And we can't explain it, and maybe we're not supposed to. But what we can do is find the sacredness behind everything, find the beauty behind everything, find the love behind everything. Because if we keep going through life, as you were talking about, in that capitalist, greedy mentality, that insatiable need for more, 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 okay, the earth is infinite, the world, the universe is infinite, things are impermanent, we can get what we want. However, we don't need those outside forces to get what we truly, truly desire. What we desire is to feel loved, is to feel abundant, is to feel connected, Wealthy doesn't even mean money. Wealthy means I um, have a great amount of like love in my life. I have wonderful family. Wealthy means, oh, I have a fridge stocked with healthy, vibrant foods. Wealthy means, oh, I can take an infinite amount of breaths. I can't even see my breath, but it is always available for me. After I went vegan, it really did help me understand the connection between all living things. It helped me understand that we are from the ether, that we all have different desires, that we all really crave survival and to thrive as well. And in seeing that, it helped me understand that there was just more than just my experience. And I was really, really grateful for that. And then I went down my activist journey, blah, 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 another video, another time which also thrusted me to learn more about consciousness and the holistic lifestyle and just 
So overall wellness, total complete overall wellness was super important to me after I went vegan. I wanted to make sure that I was taking care of mind, body, and spirit, and lo and behold, I did. And although I've always been intuitive as a Pisces sun and moon, it comes naturally for me. And I've always wanted to tap into my spiritual senses but didn't know how. Learning more about yoga helped me do that meditation, visualization, all those types of things. Affirmations, those were things that really, really helped me along my way before I got more into ancestor work and learning about, you know, African spirituality and shadow work, all those types of things. It's a mindset, isn't it? It's an absolute mindset. It's something that I had to refine as I went through my journey within the last 10 years. You know, we fall off along the way because of the mentality of wanting more and more and more hustling because we feel like we have to hustle do that. And this, no. It's in our faces every day, isn't it? Wherever we go, there are billboards, there are magazine ads, there are newspapers, there are TV shows pushing these, well, this lifestyle, this capitalist, consumerist, materialistic lifestyle on us. And I, you know, I'm guilty as much as the next person. I'm, I love my gadgets and I love, I mean, obviously I do use them to, I, not to like justify, but I do use them for, for social good, I hope, but I do love my gadgets and things and they are not free of uh, ethical you know issues you know mobile phones are potentially are filled with conflict minerals that come from places on in the earth where children have potentially been enslaved and you know men women and children who have been treated terribly you know no matter mm. what we do there i think someone said i don't know who said it but there is no something there's no ethical life under capitalism or something like that that yeah ethical consumption under capitalism there is no mm. ethical consumption under capitalism thank you it's a powerful statement, but it is something that is deeply troubling because we want to be better people, most of us. We want to be better people. It can be very difficult to do that. You know, you want to use less plastic, but you go to the supermarket and everything is wrapped in plastic. You want to travel around your city, but all the, you know, buses are powered by gasoline or, or diesel or whatever. You want to feed your children uh, a healthy diet, but you can't afford to feed them a healthy diet because when you go to the supermarket, the cheapest foods are the most junky foods. There is an amazing, I love my documentaries. There's an amazing documentary called A Place at the Table. That's an American documentary which talks about food security in America. And it shows the brutal and painful reality that many working class Americans uh, of all races and ethnicities have to deal with to survive. Uh, and they feeding, you know, living on food stamps and, and the bitter reality of parents who want to feed their children healthy food but cannot afford it. The, the capitalist system is, is built for the few, not the many. And that's the painful thing. And I hope again that we we can see a way through it. And I, and going back to to the original question about community, you know, tell me about your community because what does that mean to you? What is your community? Because it can be very easy to say, oh well, you know, you're from the black community, so that must mean this, or you know, you're from the African American community, so that must mean that. What does community mean to you? And like, what does your community look like? And how do you sort of participate in a community? Mm, I love that because community means everything to me. I am very community-based, community-based, anything of it. And what it truly means to me is uplift, empowerment, connection, abundance, love, understanding. All those things we need, right? Those things that nourish yeah. us. The thing that truly nourishes, not the cars. The and look, if you want that, I, I don't relate, but do you? However, what we that's what we truly want. We want community. And especially our ancestors, all of us, regardless of race, our ancestors are community-based. That's how we that's how we work when we survived during evolution. We needed community. We needed our tribes to be safe, to be healthy, to make sure that we had food. And so it's deep within our DNA to prioritize community. And unfortunately, along the way, we have lost our way. But I would say that my community. It, it's definitely, it, I have multiple. I would say it is Black community, the Black community. I would say it's the vegan community. I would say it's the conscious community, not even just spiritual, because you can be spiritual and in, in, in a lot of ways not be conscious. You can feel the connection of all beings, but being conscious is the lifestyle behind it. What are you doing about it? Just like what you were saying, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yes, but we can be conscious of how we do things. We can be conscious about how we spend our dollars, what our dollars are going to, and what these companies or whatever, how they're treating their workers and the process behind their, you know, their production uh, process and things like that. So I would say those are definitely my communities and I would even combine them. Oh, and excuse me. Oh, 
I, how rude of me, the goth community. <laughs> I love all those communities, even like I would say pinup community. I'm really into pinup 1940s American fashion and all those types of things. So I have several communities that I love to engage with on my own time because social media is a lot for me. So I take my time. <laughs> However, these are people who I feel like understand where I'm coming from. And even though I don't just relate to just one, or I don't even sometimes relate to all of them. I'm just me and I love being me. But I would say, yeah, black, vegan, goth, metal, spiritual, conscious, all those people really true encaps truly encapsulate who I am, what I believe, how I want to express myself with other people, how I want to engage with other people. And it just makes me feel like I'm expressing myself at my most authentic and genuine place. Because that's what we all want at the, sa the same time, too, with community. It's to be authentic, be real, be ourselves, mm. and be loved. Right. Amen to that. It's very important to get in touch with your ancestors. They have this knowledge and wisdom that we are not going to have at this day and age. We are in the digital age, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but in the society, we're so far from our nature, we don't understand who we are sometimes. We don't understand where we come from. You know, history is not correct. You know, anyone can tell you anything. You know, if you Google it, sometimes it's, it's not true. Our ancestors can give us that intuitive message that what we're doing is correct or what we're doing is aligned with our spirit. And for me personally, getting in touch with my ancestors and having um, two ancestor altars, one for my Afro-Indigenous and one for my American Indigenous um, side, has really put things in perspective. It made everything serious and not at the same time. My ancestors have obviously went through way more than I can even imagine of what I go through now. Although all the isms are in place to keep me you know, from doing certain things that I want to do, but at the same time, they have experienced it way much worse. You know, there, there were laws in place, there were customs in place where they couldn't do anything. And they were abused, they were tortured. I have the advantage of doing what I want to do regardless of these societal barriers. I feel like getting in touch with them, you get that perspective. You understand that they're there to help you. What a beautiful world it would be if we were allowed to just be ourselves and be embraced and loved and accepted by the communities that we chose to spend time with. And wouldn't it be a beautiful world if people just left other people alone to be themselves and not try to invade the lives of others and tell other people what to do? And that goes for everyone, left-leaning, right-leaning, liberals, conservatives, because there are, you know, most people I think who listen to this podcast and are followers of PBNR, more left, liberal, left-leaning, but there are some conservatives as well. And I've been called out by a few conservatives for, <laughs> for, for having strong opinions about certain political um, leaders, which we shall not name. But I just want to live in a world where people are respected for, the, for, for being individuals. I want to live in a world where people are respected for their uniqueness and their identity. We are beautiful creatures as human beings. We have so much to give this world and to each other. And it's so painful to read the news and see what goes on in America and in Brazil and various parts of the world where minority people, whether they're black or women or gay or trans or non-binary, are being scapegoated and othered by politicians as a way to deflect, really, from the key issues that are facing our world today, our society, our communities. You know, the climate crisis, the cost of living crisis, the economic crisis, there's, there's all these challenges that we face collectively as a species, but we are not being given an opportunity by politicians and political leaders to work together to solve them. It's a game of divide and conquer. I watched a video today, which was very powerful. A young man made a video talking about what's going on with TikTok in the United States. And if you're listening to this, you might be in the future and TikTok may already be banned from the United States. You know, there's plans, the American, there's a lot of American governmental individuals who are wanting to ban TikTok. Um, and he made this video talking about what is the real reason that TikTok, they, wanna, they would like the government, the United States government wants to ban TikTok. And he said, go and open your Instagram app and search for the word France in the Instagram app. And you search France and up comes all these images and beautiful pictures of Eiffel Tower and French baguettes and croissants and things like that. And then you go on TikTok and you search France. And what do you think comes up? All the fire and brimstone, the, the rioting and the, the, um, the striking and the pe French people rising up 
against the French government. So it's such an interesting time that we're living in right now where tech companies have so much power and they are clearly in the back pockets of politicians. Community is 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 the most powerful thing that we have and it's our tool to a better world, I believe. You know, community and your community, you're, you're involved in lots of different communities and we could probably do a separate podcast about each one because they're all equally fascinating. <laughs> I'd be delighted. But let's, you know, let's stick with veganism and plant-based because that's, you know, that's the topic of this, this podcast. And we are, an, I'm an intersectional and I do believe in the intersection of all social justice issues and how they fit into each other and overlap. But I'd love to hear your experience of the black community with regards to veganism and plant-based. Veganism, at least over here in Europe, has a, a reputation of being very white, very middle class. It's not, you know, and even maybe in the US it might be similar. But how have you navigated the challenges of having conversations about vegan and plant-based over the years with your black brothers and sisters without triggering that defense mechanism of, um, and it might be different now, but how was it over the last few years with regards of, you know, don't come to me with that white thing? Because I've heard some of my black vegan friends say that. They've uh, had this conversation with John John Lewis. He said, you know, he used to talk about it and he got this, well, this is a white thing. Why are you talking to me about it? What has been your personal experience of that and how have you, how have things evolved uh, over the years? Well, I would say that Contrary to popular belief, I feel like Black people are very, very receptive and open to veganism or plant-based eating. I just feel like sometimes we run into that person who probably doesn't believe, or unfortunately, we have been aligned in our path with somebody who unfortunately believes that because I will also come out and say that we give... I don't know how this is going to sound, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Spirit is telling me to say it. We give white people so much credit for these types of things, plant-based eating is just how humans have eaten ever. Some, you know, especially in certain parts of the world, certain continents, plant-based eating is not new. Vegan eating, we just put a word to it now. We just put a word to it. We always like to to be like, oh well, you know, white men do this and white men do that. But it's like, okay, but we've also have done that too. They've just sensationalized it. So how about we focus on what our ancestors have done? And what feels natural for us and not focus too much on the people that we see on Instagram or TikTok that might be a little too loud for your taste. So I've been very lucky in the sense where even if I was challenged with that type of mentality, I'd be like, ciao, no, it's not. What you mean? <laughs> you know, just speak in their language. No, like, of course, not all black people talk like that, but just speaking in their language of just knowing where they come from. This is something that is really natural to us. We have unfortunately lost our way because of how the world, the state of the world today. And this is how we can revert back to it, not revert as in it's a bad thing, but this is how we can journey back to our old ways. And of course, not every culture um, was completely plant-based. They ate animal products at certain events or for as delicacies or whatever, but it was so minimal that they might as well have just called themselves vegan. It's just certain things were introduced, animal products were introduced through colonialism and blah, blah, blah. It's very wide, widely known. A, a lot of us aren't educated on that. Very understandable. But that's always what I like to come from when it when it comes to that is like, look, I understand what you mean by that, but this is natural and normal for us as well. This is how we can um, go, go back to our roots. This is how we can figure out what makes us makes it feel right for us. We can still use the same spices. We can still use the same dishes. We we just switch it to plants this time. And it's so widely available these days, of course, more for more people than others. And I can't speak on that. However, it is available. It is nourishing. It feels good. It tastes good. Do it for you. Don't do it because to, to spite the white man. Do it for you because it'll know it'll make you feel good. With my work over the years, um, I um, used to work with Afro Vegan Society, an absolutely wonderful um, organization based in Baltimore, but they're a national nonprofit. Um, with my work with them, I've been able to be in these communities and talk face to face with wonderful people about vegan eating and uh, vegan living, really, plant based eating, whatever challenges that they're facing. The real issue here is is just the cooking. A lot of people just don't have time to cook. A lot of people don't have the energy to cook. A lot of people are just confused of what veganism really is. So it's just the misinformation about what it is. And unfortunately, because of the jumbleness of us thinking that it's a white thing or whatever limiting beliefs we have around veganism, that can all be very, very easily cleared. We just have to get down to what can I do to introduce this to my lifestyle in the way that is best for me 
and in the way that feels good for me. That's what I would feel like it comes down to in my community. We are so open and receptive. Black people are, there 8% of Black Americans in the U.S. are vegan. We're, we're growing in rapid numbers. You know, we're all about this life. It's just that we have to give them the right information at the right time in the right yeah, place. Absolutely. I was actually just looking at that report. 8% of Black Americans are strict vegans or vegetarians compared to just 3% of the rest of the, U the United States population, according to the BBC report with Pew Research Center and sur of surveys. It goes on to say the BBC reports Black Americans are almost three times likely to be vegan as white Americans. And why is this diet so popular? Why is the diet suddenly so popular? Because obviously, there, as I said, there was this perception that veganism was a white middle class thing, but that's clearly changing. What is it that's caused this groundswell of, sh of change? Like how, how have people started to adopt the lifestyle so rapidly? Ooh, deep in my soul, what I truly feel like is the um, the catalyst for this is that I feel like at a whole, Black Americans, we are just so done with feeling miserable. We're so done with letting outside forces affect our inside. We're not valid in being triggered by certain things. We're not, we're not valid in emotionally reacting to the outside world because regardless of how limitless I do feel, how fearless I feel going out in the world, I'm very aware that there are going to be people who look at me and have horrible, harsh judgments about me before I even open my mouth. I'm very aware of that. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like a lot of us, it has gotten to us very deeply. It's, it's woven in our DNA. It's generation to generation to generation. That fear that we feel, those emotional reactions, actions that we feel to protect ourselves from a place of survival is once again a way for us to protect our survival because we want to stay alive we want to procreate we want to make sure that our offspring is safe from the um oppression that we face no matter where we go we're just so tired of letting oppression get us down because we're we already deal with what we deal with, especially here in the U.S. We already have to hustle like everybody else. I refuse to hustle. I don't believe in that mentality. However, a lot of us are still stuck in that place. Very understandable. The collective consciousness, the Black collective consciousness in the U.S., we're over it. We're over letting outside forces affect how we feel because we know that we're, we're more powerful than that. We have survived. We have made it. We have thrived. Despite all the challenges that we face in the U.S. and in the world, we are still here. We are still present. We are still thriving. We are creating. We are inspiring. We are amazing. And I think that we we see that. We see on TV and the media and social media that regardless of what we've gone through, even if we are, we have negative $100, we can create something so amazing that can inspire everyone in the entire world and inspire mm -hmm. cultures across the entire world. Even if we are judged and looked down upon, we are very inspirational. How powerful is that? And I think that we finally see that in this day and age through this marketing, this digital age that we're in. We're able to actually see it visually, how we transmuted our pain into strengths, our suffering into art, our our deep, like our deep woundedness um, at our core from all the oppression and violence we faced into happiness and gratitude and abundance. And I feel like because of that, we want to finally get healthy. And that really starts with eating with a lot of people. Of course, we can start with the mental, mind, body, spirit, doesn't matter where you start as long as you start. Humans are intuitive no matter what. It, you don't, you're not just going to have to be black just to be intuitive. However, we are deeply intuitive and it's been unfortunately very watered down because we've had to survive. But I feel like that the veil has been lifted from our third eye where we don't have to feel like we don't have to pay attention to or internalize the messages that we've heard on the media about ourselves. We are not monsters. We are not criminals. We are not who they say we are. We get to determine who we say we are and how we did want to be. And I feel like because of that, we finally see that our health is wealth and we need to start today. And plant-based eating and being vegan is a wonderful, wonderful start. I love that. I think the, one of the key words here and the key phrases is generational trauma. We as humans carry it and black African-Americans, if descendants, well, not just, just descendants of the slave trade, but descendants of any kind of generational trauma, uh, is a very heavy and painful burden to carry. And I think that's a, such a powerful point about how food and shifting one's food culture can free one of that 
painful generational trauma because you know we talk about the food that was given to the people the, the slaves of the slave trade and the and the and enslaved people of the slave trade and how those foods affected those those people and how it kind of held them back and affected their their moods and their mental health and their well-beings it could be quite a beautiful thing to to realize that african american people are freeing themselves from this this oppressive painful generational trauma through food that the life force of the abundance that the earth gives us this never-ending source of food is a is a key to freedom you know freedom is a word that's used a lot in america by all sorts of people but i do believe that there is freedom in our food that when we choose foods that nourish us and nurture us and and um don't slow us down we you know we are unlimited we are we are uh, limitless <laughs> as people moving on to beyond community and beyond culture because it is a vast and deep subject that we could probably speak about for hours on end there is honestly so much and it is very heavy and i want to want to move on to to lighter things and i'd love to learn about you know who is the soulful veganista like who is that and and who who is she in the future like where where is she going that is such an amazing question because you know what i am ever expanding ever changing so it might even change by the time this even goes out so i'm just going to say it anyway but i would say the soulful veganista wishes to empower her communities wishes to once again lift the veil from our third eyes she wants to raise a collective consciousness in such a way that we are our own healers we see the oneness behind everything. We practice unconditional love. We respect all forms of life. We respect ourselves. We respect our neighbor. We don't have to agree, but we respect that because of free will, we're allowed to do what we feel. There's so many things that I I would say I would do, but I would say that my mission really is to, in a lot of ways, help Black alternative women program their subconscious minds, become their own healers, and get out of survival mode so that they can attract everything that they truly desire in life with ease, grace, and divine timing. And there's much more to that. Trust me, there's more of my things. You know, I want I to do it through holistic living, through mind-body-spirit practices, through the metaphysics. There's so many things I want to do. You know, of course, I'm all about shadow work. But it, once again, it, I would say that it probably even starts with shadow work with what I do, because even though shadow work sounds scary or inner work sounds scary, once you truly self-reflect and look inward and you are under your analyzing and peeling back the layers of who you've been conditioned to be and see yourself at your raw, authentic core, you'll realize that you are not who they say you are. You are who you decide to be. And because of that, you are allowed to experience abundance at its true form. Because we are not only just the animal, we are also the spirit. We can be both. You can enjoy the fruits of your labor here on this plane. You can also be connected to source at the same time. Having both creates an absolute life of bliss, joy, ecstasy, Um, And you don't have to seek outside of yourself for any type of thing like that. You have it within you. And because of that, you will see that within your reality because you're calling it forth and you're being so, so grateful for what you have. Everything is sacred and divine for you. So I feel like that's where the soulful veganista comes from. It's amazing. Well, um, I've been on your website and I'm hoping I will be seeing more writing going up there in the future. Your thoughts and views. (laughs) My website's so old, but it's going to be finished. That is such a promise. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a great technology to be able to communicate one's thoughts and feelings you know the, the written word is transformative it gives us the power to reach out to millions of people today and in the future it's a form of time travel i don't know if you've ever thought about it like that because when you are writing words and you put them onto a paper no matter what happens whether you live or die well we're all going to die but at some yeah. point you will die your words will remain present on the internet or in a book or whatever and when people pick up that book or pick up that blog and read it and they they listen to your words you are communicating with people in the past and the future mm. so when you write things and this is people often say the internet never forgets <laughs> which is That's- terrifying but also empowering when we communicate our deepest thoughts and feelings with the world um, it has the power to change people's lives absolutely change people's lives because many people live in fear 
of who they might be or could be. Uh, and the work that you are planning on doing is incredible and beautiful. And it's you're very courageous and bold to do it because working with people in this way and working with the world in this way is not for the faint hearted. You know, it comes with the shadow, as you say, and the shadow, you can talk a bit about the shadow, but the shadow aspect of us is, is, is something that can be scary. It can be challenging and painful. Trauma, uh, generational trauma, personal trauma is difficult to journey through. I often talk about it like a storm. The trauma that we experience as people is like a cyclone. And that that cyclone kind of continues to rage on within you as a person. It can bring it, it can exhibit itself in our behavior, in our eating habits, in our relationships. And if we don't walk through it and and sort of transmute it, it will always bring us pain. It will always be destructive in our lives in some way, uh, depending on how good we are at suppressing it. Of course. So, if we could fast forward five years from now, Jamila, uh, where do you see yourself and what you're doing? And if it was everything was just as you planned it, like what would be the future of your work, and and what kind of people would you be be working with? Oh well, I have been visualizing this for a long time now, and I would even say I am the person I am in five years. I'll get to that in another question, though. But in five years, Jamila is traveling doing seminars, helping people connect to themselves, could journey back to themselves, uh, figure out who they truly are, who what they really want. The Jamila has three books written to help transform people into the person they were meant to be. Jamila is on YouTube. She has um, she's successful on all platforms she's already on. As if I, you know, I speak it, I am already now. Jamila Speak is, it and so it shall be. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I speak it ashe ashe. And Jamila is also, who I will say this also, this might not have everything to do with the solo veganista, but it has to do with Jamila. Jamila is performing burlesque on stage. Jamila is um, exploring everything that makes her light up inside. I, you know, I... I'm going to be my do my modeling, having all my my fashion all you know put together or whatever ethically, of course. You know, I make sure I get my uh, my clothes in house in in the U.S., making sure the practices are well meaning. I'm making sure that people are healthy, mind, body, and spirit. They're eating their plant based food, doing their movement, expressing themselves fully, doing their shadow work and their inner work. Making sure that people are connecting with uh, their spirit and practicing oneness and um, the metaphysical aspect of everything. Jamila is doing the damn thing in five years. And once again, as I said before, that person is here now. I, I'm not waiting five years in order for it to happen. It's happening for me right now. All I have to do is call on it, visualize it, let the feelings like go through. Because what once again, as I said before, what I'm chasing is not those things. I'm not chasing the fashion aspect. I'm not chasing the seminars or whatever. Those things are merely an after effect of how I feel about myself now, because I already know that it is possible for me. It's available for me. It is already existing in another plane. And because of that, it is here now. It's just lovely, lovingly going to show up in that time or even tomorrow. It is whatever <laughs> divine decides for me. Um, but yes, in five years, I am doing everything I have dreamt of my whole entire life unapologetically. Amazing. I love that. And those out there who feel that they aren't capable, that they couldn't and aren't able to have the things that they wish, uh, the dreams, the job, the the kind of passions, the art, the music, people who feel like they held hold themselves back. Where should they begin in a journey to a sense of self-belief where you, where you are as a person? Like how how do people start that journey to feel more capable as people? I would say to challenge your limiting beliefs, challenge your negative self-talk, challenge the negative feelings that pop up, challenge the negative thoughts that pop up, be conscious and present enough right now. I know being present is not easy in this day and age. We're in the digital age. Our attention span is so, so like negative 0.2 seconds, understandable, but want happiness enough, want bliss enough, want personal ecstasy enough to be conscious of what you're thinking, feeling and doing. Because that is where the healing begins. You're not la letting it be status quo for you. You're not letting it be autopilot for you anymore. You know it doesn't make you feel good. You know it doesn't get you to where you need to be. Challenge your negative beliefs. Because once you realize that all the limiting beliefs you have comes from your childhood, 
comes from your conditioning in the world today, comes from whatever uh, insecurities you personally have. Once you realize that although challenging, although they may feel so real, they are really truly all in our heads. Because just like going back to me being a Black woman in the U.S., okay, yes, I, I might have challenges, but nothing can really truly affect what's going on in here. Just like what Dick Gregory, a wonderful Black vegan activist back in the day, he uh, passed several years ago. I mean, he was a, a Black vegan activist in the 70s. He was a comedian. My favorite quote of his is, if you don't program your mind, somebody else will do it for you. Choose to program your mind because your mind is a computer. The, once again, capitalist blah, blah, they know this. They have psychologists that help them understand the language, the color schemes, the smells, the taste of everything to trick your brain into being dependent on their word, dependent on their authority. Be your own authority. Decide who you want to be. Be clear on your goals. Be clear on your dreams and eliminate all limiting beliefs that make you feel like you are not worthy, deserving, or able to do those things. Because although it might be challenging along the way, although challenging those beliefs and even digging back in your traumas and your fears and all the things that don't feel good may not feel well in the moment. It may not feel conducive in the moment. That is where the true healing book begins because when those dissolve, you get to plant and you get to program a belief that truly empowers you. The dominant thought that those dominant thoughts are going to get you where you need to go. Be your own authority, be the creator, and then everything will happen for you. Amazing. Be your own authority. Absolutely love that. Before I let you go, uh, I always like to ask my guests this one final question. And if you've heard this podcast before, you know what's coming. If you were stuck on a desert island and it was just you and a pig, <laughs> if I gave you one vegan dish, one music artist, and uh, one book, what would you take with you? Oh my gosh. Um, okay, great question. Vegan dish? Ooh, I'm a foodie. Even though I'm a plant-based whole foodie, I'm a foodie. It's a desert island, so I get to go as wild as I want to. <laughs> I'm just going to go with how I feel in the moment. A vegan chicken parm sandwich, double-stacked extra marinara sauce, um, a spicy... Uh, with some fries on the side. Oh, wait, no, no. Yeah, fries are come along with the dish. Um, <laughs> does an appetizer count? or? Yeah, the whole meal. Okay. <laughs> Maybe, um, oh, no, no, no. How about a dessert along with that? Maybe a brownie sundae with ice cream and extra chocolate drizzle. Do I get a drink with that? You get, you, you get a drink. Okay, um, I would say, well, it's a desert island, so I want to enjoy myself. A nice, tall, Long Island iced tea. Mm -hmm. oh, or, or maybe a big old glass of Pinot Noir just oh, to lovely. make it more vampiric to go along mm -hmm. with my style of an artist that I would bring along with me. Oh, that's really hard because although I'm, I'm very much so a, a metalhead, I love different types of music as well, but it will have to probably be death metal. I would say that I would bring along Incantation. I would probably bring along what album would I bring? Diabolical Conquest or Profane Nexus by um, Incantation, Super Brutal. my book i've been reading so so much lately i would say even though i love to read up on things like tantra and spirituality and metaphysics that's kind of I mean, quantum physics those are the type of books i've been reading a lot lately i would say that the book i would read is you are a badass by jen sincero that and along with another book is what really helped thrust me into wanting to just go for my dreams and follow my heart because it makes you feel like i can do it I can do it. Not only can she do it, her clients have done it. I am allowed to follow my heart and follow my dreams. Says who? Who says I can't? And even though I'm on a desert island and can't really do much, maybe that'll inspire me to build a sandcastle to express myself and follow my dreams. I don't know. But I know that it will motivate me to want to keep living so I'm just not bored on this island. <laughs> 
Amazing, Ms. Jamila and Hada. Thank you so much for joining us on the PBN podcast. Uh, an hour has flown by. Uh, it was a real pleasure to hear a bit of your story. And I'm already excited about part two. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to chatting to you again soon. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. I had a wonderful time. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I've been your host, Robbie Lockie, and this is the PBN Podcast. We'll be back next time with more food, fashion, spirituality, animals, technology, and everything in between. 